are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. We have a very special first-time co-host today, Guinevere Porter. Hi, Guinevere. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So uh, in a few minutes, we're going to listen to an interview about Body Island Lighthouse in North Carolina. First, I want to tell everyone a little bit more about today's co-host. Our listeners might recall that a couple of weeks ago, we wished Guinevere a happy birthday on the podcast. Uh, So I think your actual birthday was just a few days ago. Is that right, Guinevere? It was Saturday. Yes, it was. And how old are you now? I am 11 years old now. Well, congratulations. Happy uh, belated birthday. So also joining us today is Guinevere's mom, Heather Porter. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much to both of you for doing this today. So Heather, you first contacted me back in September to ask me if I could wish Guinevere a happy birthday on the podcast. You said you both listen to the podcast on a regular basis. Is that right? Yeah, I listen to, I've listened to every single one. Gwen's listened to every one that she's been to, at least. Okay. Cool. That is amazing to me that you've listened to every one. I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there who can say that. So I, I really appreciate that. It's always amazing to me when I find out people actually listen to it. You know, sometimes I'll I'll I meet somebody it. and say, I, I listen to the podcast. I never get over being surprised when I hear that. So thank you so much for listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was very happy to that you contacted me about this. You know, we're always trying to figure out how to get younger people interested in the lighthouses. By younger, Mm -hmm. I kind of mean under, like under 65, (laughs) because so much of us, so many of us in the lighthouse world are, you know, getting up there a little bit in years. My feeling is that if you get a kid to visit a lighthouse, they'll probably love the experience. So Guinevere, can you remind me where you guys live? Oh, we live in Kentucky. Okay. So you're away from the the ocean, right? I I was looking on Google Maps. You're a few hundred miles from the ocean, right? Is that about right? Yeah. So how did you get so interested in lighthouses? I got into it because we visited when I was a kid. My mom, we we went to the beach. She would always take us to the ones that were closest. Mm -hmm. And I just thought climbing them was fun. And uh, I thought they looked really cool. And then as a grown up, I just kind of ended up liking them more. Just thought they were really pretty. And I loved the history in them. So then I started taking them to everyone, even if it wasn't so close, like even if it was a little out of the way on vacations. And then I started taking her, like I started taking her from the time she was able, before she was able to walk. So she kind of had to love them, I think. What was the first lighthouse when she was like six months old? Ocracoke. Ocracoke, yeah. Which I just visited a couple of months ago for the first time or a month or so ago. Yeah. Uh, so you were six months old the first time you visited a lighthouse, Guinevere. You probably don't remember a whole lot about that, I would imagine. <laughs> no. What's the first one you actually remember visiting? Um, so after the first one I went to, we had to take a break from seeing lighthouses for a little bit because then she got pregnant with my brother. Then we stayed home for a little bit. And then this summer we went on a vacation and we saw like six lighthouses. So that's the, the most recent one that I remember. What area was that in where you saw the six lighthouses? Florida or Georgia. Florida and Georgia. Yeah. There's a lot of great ones down there. So I want to talk a a little bit more about the the different ones you visited maybe a little bit later, but do you know about how many lighthouses you've visited so far, Guinevere? Um, I've seen about 15 lighthouses. I'm pretty sure you've 15 or more, but I love seeing every single one of them. It's always, you know, for me, even I've, I've been doing this for like almost 40 years. It's still a thrill when I see a new lighthouse. I get excited. 
I think yeah. my heart beats a little faster. <laughs> it's it's just so much fun. It's so exciting. So you have three other kids, is that right, Heather? Yes. Yeah, Gwen's yeah. the oldest. Are the other any of the other kids interested in lighthouses? My two-year-old, my youngest, he gets really excited when he sees one. He'll point to it and he'll say, Mommy, lighthouse, lighthouse. <laughs> and he points wow. to it and he gets really, 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 really happy. Like, he, yeah, he, he gets excited when he sees them. He loves them. Yeah. It must, I think it's genetic. Do you pass I, know, I think it is. <laughs> or he's just used to seeing them all the time from us. So he just knows, oh, they're going to love this, but it'll just come. It'll come naturally to him when he gets older. That's great. So again, I do want to talk a bit more about this uh, later, but I want to uh, talk a little bit about a couple of events that are coming up, and then we're going to introduce our guest uh, interview for today. But I, I do want to talk more about your lighthouse visits uh, a little bit later. So before we get to the interview, Guinevere, could you help me tell everyone about a lighthouse event that's coming up in a couple of weeks? Sure. On Saturday, November 25th, an annual holiday lighting of Noble Lighthouse in York, Maine, will take place. As the sun sets, everyone counts down. The lighthouse comes alive with thousands of Christmas lights. The event also includes Santa and a bake sale. You know, I, it's only uh, about a half hour from where I live. I, I go to Noble pretty often, and I've been to that event a couple of times, the Christmas lighting of the Noble. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, so anybody around there, I'd recommend going to it. I understand you might be coming to New England next year. Is that right? Maybe you'll get to see Noble light. That's on our list. Uh-huh. Excellent. Yeah, you definitely want to see Noble. It's one that you don't quite get to. You drive to a park and you look across a couple hundred feet of water, but it's like the perfect postcard view of a lighthouse. So oh, I know you're going to love that yeah. when you get to I see it. I can't wait to see it in person. So there's one more event I'd like to tell people about, Guinevere. Could you help me out with that? Also on Saturday, November 25th, will be the annual holiday lighting of Montauk Lighthouse. The event begins around dusk with free hot chocolate and live mu holiday music. And the main event is the lighting of the lighthouse and keeper's house with thousands of lights. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of that. It looks amazing with all those Christmas lights mm -hmm. on it. It's so yeah. pretty. Everything's all outlined with white lights. It's a great lighthouse. Uh, I just visited there the first, first time in May. So I know there are also other Christmas season lightings at lighthouses around the country. We'll try to mention some of them in the podcast, uh, I think, next week. So for now, let's get to today's interview. Guinevere, can you help me tell everyone about Body Island Lighthouse and our guest today? Sure, Jeremy. Body Island is a long, narrow peninsula at the northern part of the Outer Banks. In North Carolina, the original Body Island Lighthouse was built in 1847 in a location that is now underwater. The tower was abandoned in 1859 due to its poor uh, conditions. The second lighthouse was an 80-foot tower built in 1859, but it was destroyed in the, in the Civil War. Uh, the 160-foot brick lighthouse tower that stands today was constructed on the Roanoke Sound <laughs> side of the peninsula in 1871. A duplex keeper's house was also built, and a powerful first-order Fresnel lens was installed in the lantern. Most of the light station's property was transferred to the National Park Service in 1953. A restoration of the keeper's house was completed in May in 1953. The building now serves as a ranger's office and a visitor center of Cape Hatteras National Seashore. 
Carolyn Wellman is an interpretation park ranger for the Cape Hatteras National Seashore. And just a few weeks ago, I visited Body Island Lighthouse for the first time and got to speak with Carolyn in her office upstairs in the historic Keeper's House. So let's listen to that conversation now. I am actually inside the historic Keeper's House at Body Island Lighthouse, which is very exciting. I've never been to the Outer Banks before today. Uh, so this is a thrill for me to be uh, at one of the nation's most famous lighthouses. And I'm here with Carolyn Wellman, who is an interpretive park ranger for the Cape Hatteras National Seashore. Carolyn, thank you so much for being on the podcast and thanks for uh, your hospitality and hosting me here today. You are so very welcome, Jeremy. It's, but it's a pleasure. Well, it really is great to be here on such a beautiful day. It really is a beautiful day. It's one of the nicer days we've had. Humidity's low. It's 65 degrees. The sun is shining. Blue sky. It's just beautiful. I'll take this anytime. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, I want to get into the lighthouse, obviously. But if we could, I'd like to start with a little bit about you, about your background. Uh, Look like you had a background of being at some other parks before you came here. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I certainly can. I worked at Acadia National Park for two summers. Then I went to Zion National Park for three summers. That's out in Utah. Mm -hmm. Acadia was in Maine. Yeah. And then I went to Olympic National Park and I Mm -hmm. worked in the whole rainforest in uh, the state of Washington. Mm -hmm. And then last summer I was at Rocky Mountain National Park on the western side. Wow. You get around. I do. It's yeah. been some amazing journeys and beautiful parks I've worked at. Uh huh. Acadia National Park is something, someplace I know really well. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time there. I was just in Bar Harbor a few weeks ago. Yes. Didn't get into the park on that day, but took a cruise around it. And so, oh, wonderful. You know, it's great to see it from land or water. It's yeah. a beautiful, such a beautiful place. Yeah, definitely experience. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that brought you to this job here, to this uh, place? Well, when uh, I don't remember it because I was very little, but when I was, you know, three to six years old, my family would come down here to the Outer Banks and vacation. And uh, so I have some fun pictures of me flying a kite on the beach and just hanging out in the water. Mm-hmm. And it was just really special to be able to have the opportunity to apply and, and get a job working here at Cape Hatteras National Seashore. Yeah, well, that's that's cool that you have that background. Were you or are you a lighthouse buff, would you say? I think I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Yes. Do you try to visit other lighthouses when you're yeah, able I, to? Yeah, when I was working at Acadia National Park, I would go to the... Bass Harbor? The Bass Harbor, yes, lighthouse, all the way on the southern end of yeah. the Mount Desert Island. So Pretty puny compared to this one. Very small. But very picturesque. Very picturesque. It's that iconic view of the lighthouse yes. on the rocks. From the coast. rocks, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the iconic ones. So back to Body Island Lighthouse. First of all, am I saying it properly, Body Island? You are saying it correctly. It is Body Island Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. As uh, I'm sure all our listeners know, it's spelled B-O-D-I-E, which I think most people would, would automatically think is Bodhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why? where does the name come from? Do we know why it's pronounced Body instead of Bodhi? That's a great question. Folklore um, is this whole area of the Outer Banks is nicknamed the Graveyard of the Atlantic from Mm -hmm. uh, the huge amount of sand shoals um, that are very shallow that can cause a lot of shipwrecks that have happened a couple hundred years ago and can still happen to this day. So one of the nicknames for the Outer Banks is called the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Uh, And so the bodies that may have washed up to shore is kind of where one of those names for Body Island may have come from. Uh, But the more likely version and a little more historic is there was a a family 
that had the last name of Body. Um, so an old family name mm-hmm. that came from here. Do we know anything about them for sure? Or is that just kind of speculation? That's kind of speculation. It's all kind of very up in the air. There's a couple mm-hmm. different theories, but uh, that's so you can pick which theory you like best. Yeah. If it's a family name or if you like the uh, bodies washing up to shore. So yeah, I think most people would probably like that one better. Little, it varies from from a visitor to visitor that I chat with. <laughs> yeah. And another question about the name, why uh, is it called Body Island when, uh, if you look on a map, it's actually a peninsula, not an island? You know, that was just the, the name of the, the whole area because there was Pea Island that was south of us, but uh, it is all still very interconnected. But at one point, it could have been an island with all the hurricanes that have, you know, were consistent moving the, the sands and... Yeah. I mean, Oregon Inlet, which is about a mile and a half further to the south of this location, wasn't there, you know, a couple hundred years ago. So, yeah. So just with weather and oceans can definitely vary different things. So it could have been an island Mm -hmm. once upon a time. Yeah. Well, a place like this, the Outer Banks, kind of like Cape Cod and New Mm -hmm. England. So they're works in progress. They are. Yeah. Yeah. They're always changing. (laughs) Always changing. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit, well, you kind of said it being the graveyard of the Atlantic, but anything else about this particular location, why a lighthouse was built here? Oh, certainly. So it does go kind of into the graveyard of the Atlantic and the sand shoals that I mentioned. So we have two uh, major currents that come up and down this coast. So we have the Labrador current coming from the north, and then we have the southern current, which is the Gulf Stream coming from the south. And basically where these two currents combine, uh, is right here along the Outer Banks. So they're bringing lots of sand um, along with them and they create something called the Diamond Shoals, mm-hmm. which is this huge expanse of very shallow sand that is in constant movement uh, that can cause a lot of shipwrecks. So yeah. this location for the Body Island Lighthouse is meant to provide a warning light for the folks that are sailing mm-hmm. uh, further south to avoid getting stranded on those diamond shoals, they actually have to go further east so then they can go further south to avoid those mm-hmm. shoals. So that's kind of the, basically is a warning light to be yeah. like, hey, you don't want to get stuck. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think there was a, a light ship out on diamond shoals at one time. I believe there? there is. Yes. Yeah, there was anyway, yeah. historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, so Body Island Lighthouse is one of the kind of classic tall brick towers. There's mm-hmm. a, a few of them in North Carolina and uh, along the, the East Coast and other places. But I think this area is especially known for them. Mm-hmm. And Body Island is one of, one of the most famous. 160 feet tall, is that accurate? It's about 167 feet tall oh, okay. and eight inches. Oh, okay. Uh, but but depends on where you're measuring it. So if you're talking from the ground all the way to the very tip of the lightning rod at the very top, Mm-hmm. is that 167 and 8 inches. Had somebody measured that recently to make uh, sure I it's think correct? it was with a uh, laser. Um, oh, right. I think okay. within the last 10, 20 years, yeah. it was a laser measurement is where they got that more specific. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> little easier to do those things now. Yes, a little easier. I think they used to use maybe string to do that. Oh, so, yeah. So. Might have been some string. Yeah. yeah. And do we know, uh, it's, a, it's a brick tower, do yes. we know approximately how, or do we know exactly how many bricks were used in it? Uh, approximately, based on my readings, uh, it's about a million bricks that <sighs> they brought to build the lighthouse. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of bricks. Yeah. 
do you know where they came from? Uh, they came from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, Maryland is where the, all the bricks came from. But they would have been, there were no roads. This was a very remote area. So there were no roads during that time when this lighthouse was being built in 1871. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to bring all those bricks in by ship and then smaller boats to get actually to the area. So mm-hmm. very remote location. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you more about that in a, in a moment. Mm-hmm. but. Uh, since we're on the subject of uh, the tower itself, uh, it's got a cast iron stairway, right? That's correct. How many steps? There are 219 steps all the way up to the top from, mm-hmm. we like to say, from the brick all the way up to the balcony. I, I don't want to think too much about that because <laughs> I haven't climbed it yet. When we finish speaking here, I'm going to climb it. Uh, I climbed Assateague Lighthouse in Virginia yesterday and Currituck Beach Lighthouse here on the Outer Banks to just a couple hours ago. <laughs> so my knees are getting a workout, <laughs> but yeah. I can't be here and not, not climb it. Exactly. So. On a beautiful day too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least it's not super hot. True. Yeah. That makes it mm, a little more uncomfortable. Yeah. So one more thing about the tower itself. Why does it have black and white bands? That's a great question. Uh, the reason for the lighthouse to have black and white bands is it's something called a day marker. The lighthouse is used as a day marker. So uh, the lighthouse board, um, so when the lighthouses were being constructed back in the 1800s, mm-hmm. they determined that the colors red and white and black were best seen against a bright blue sky. Uh, so the black and white bands were just the color pattern that, they did, that the lighthouse board decided to do this lighthouse. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lighthouse to the south of us, 40 miles south. It's the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. They have uh, a red base, but they have black and white bands, but yeah. it looks like a barber pole. They're a diagonal mm-hmm. um, or like a candy cane. <laughs> yeah. And St. Augustine has the same and Florida exactly. has the same same day yeah, markets. Exactly. Cape Hatteras. The, but the Currituck Lighthouse here on the Outer Banks where I just was is unpainted brick, which is, is kind of surprising. Yeah. But I guess leaving it like that is its own day mark. In a exactly. Way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's still kind of that rusty red coloration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can still, it's part of that, you know, that red, white, and black. Uh, so it'll still be, it still be easily seen from, yeah. from the ocean. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, the red bands. Uh, there are three lighthouses I know of in the country that have red and white bands. Mm. That's West Quaddy Head at the easternmost point of the U.S. in Maine. Okay. And Assateague Lighthouse in Virginia, which I visited yesterday, okay. and Sapelo Island Lighthouse in Georgia, which uh, my wife and I visited uh, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've seen all three of them. But I, I, if somebody listening can think think of another lighthouse in the country with red and horizontal red and white bands, let me know because I think that's I think that's all of them. But they do stand out well. Mm-hmm. Especially in areas where there's snow, the red stands out mm-hmm. well in the, mm-hmm. the back. Uh, yes, that background. So let's talk a little bit about the human history of the place. Uh, first of all, was there uh, was there a principal keeper and assistant keepers here when it was active? Yes. Uh, so the lighthouse was first lit in on October first, eighteen seventy two, mm-hmm. and that's when we had our first lighthouse keeper. There was a primary lighthouse keeper, and then they had one or two assistants. Uh, that would be living in the double keepers quarters, which is where we're sitting in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were um, a fair amount of lighthouse keepers that you know came through the area, but there was usually a principal lighthouse keeper and one or two assistants, and they would have their families live here as much as possible. But it's a pretty mm-hmm. remote location. Yeah, how how remote was it in its early days? Was it uh, did 
were they able to travel by land easily to any kind of civilization from here? Was it mostly by boat? It was going to be mostly by boat. There could have been maybe some some slight roads or some tracks in the sand, but it would have definitely been more by boat than anything. This was a very remote area. There weren't, you know, many vehicles or mm-hmm. so it was mostly by horses or by boat, whatever they had available. So, yeah, yeah. very remote location. Yeah. Did they have a little schoolhouse locally? Were they, you know, if the kids were, were homeschooled here yes. at the lighthouse? Yeah, so if there was a lighthouse keeper that had a family with kids, uh, they, the family would live typically during, live with the lighthouse keeper during the holidays or more during the summertime. Mm-hmm. But in the winter and fall during school season, there was a small school on Mania, which is on mm-hmm. Roanoke Island. Uh, and or they would have been closer to the mainland. So if there were kids, there really wasn't any school on Body Island. So yeah. they would have to uh, live separately away from from the lighthouse keeper themselves. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So as far as the the keepers here over the years, mm-hmm. are there any especially notable keepers, either in terms of personality or the length of time they spent here? Does any anything at all? Any. Uh, keepers that kind of stand out for you? Yeah, there's uh, one gentleman that we have a great portrait of here in the visitor center. His name is Peter Gallup. Mm-hmm. He was a lighthouse keeper here uh, for 28 years. Mm-hmm. He was the, the longest standing principal lighthouse keeper that we had here for Body Island. Mm-hmm. So pretty impressive. Yeah. That is, <laughs> yeah. There aren't a whole lot who are in one place longer than that, I don't think. Uh, and uh, I wonder if there's any particular uh, incidents that kind of stand out for you? Anything that happened with the keepers and families? Here? Yeah, so during my readings and learning more uh, during my summer working here, there was one story that kind of stood out to me. Uh, I don't remember the the names of the kids, but when the kids would come and uh, help out, they would help out with the repairs and repainting and the constant maintenance that went with the lighthouse. But sometimes the kids would play games and run up and down the steps as fast as possible or slide down the stairway. Uh, very different than what we have in operation here today. But the kids would go and one one little boy, he, uh, he was sliding down and um, someone bumped into him and he bit uh, the tip of his tongue and it was kind of hanging off about the tip of his, about the amount of a tip of a finger. So he ran upstairs to uh, his father, who was a keeper at that time. And at that time he was trimming the wick uh, for the oil lamp and uh-huh. he's like all right come here and he snipped off the tip of the finger so basic or, <laughs> yeah excuse me the he uh, snipped off the tip of the kid's tongue and he's like problem solved so basic first uh you know lighthouse first aid very very basic there wasn't a lot of hospitals or you had to kind of learn how to deal with things yeah. yourself <laughs> oh yeah yeah i've heard similar stories but that that's hard to to hear that story. It's yeah, with the wick trimmer getting your tongue oh, cut man, off. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's painful. <laughs> I hope you recovered okay from that. I think so. Didn't hear anything, didn't read anything else after that. I think yeah. it was good. Right. When you were talking about the lighthouse itself, one thing we didn't talk about is the lens in the lighthouse. And you have a pretty special lens, right? We do. We have a original first order Fresnel lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of to give an idea, first order stands for, there's different sizes of Fresnel lenses. So the first is stands about 12 feet tall, about six feet wide, just to kind of give you an idea of the dimensions. But it's all these beautiful glass prisms um, that will basically enhance and help project 
the light that we have inside. Mm -hmm. uh, so what makes this lighthouse actually very special is we still have, like I mentioned before, that first order Fresnel lens, which is actually only one out of 10 first order Fresnel lens lighthouses that is still in operation to this day. In this country? In this country, 10? in the country, yes, in the United States. Okay. There's 10. Okay, I'm, I'm running through quickly in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I know there's uh, there's only uh, two in New England. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, I thought it was a little more than 10, but I believe you. But yeah. That's, yeah, so it's very, Just, very special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. Is there now an LED uh, lamp inside the lens? There is not. We are still using incandescent really? light bulbs. They're about a thousand watts. Mm -hmm. They're roughly size-wise a couple inches in diameter and maybe about five or five to seven inches tall. You know, mm -hmm. not super close to the, the yeah. light bulbs, but fairly bigger than your average household yeah. light bulb. I think I'm familiar with the the bulbs or, or lamps. Mm -hmm. The uh, Coast Guard technicians will say it's not a bulb, it's a lamp. That's, oh, <laughs> I've heard okay. that before. Okay. But most of the, the Fresnel lenses of, of all sizes, in just the last couple of years, the Coast Guard's been putting these LEDs inside them. There's mm -hmm. a, a particular type that they found before they didn't want to do that because they found that LEDs, they can work well standing alone, but inside a Fresnel lens, they didn't think it worked very well. But they now have a type they really like that they're mm -hmm. putting in mm -hmm. them. So I'm surprised that you haven't gotten one here yet. I think we're just trying to use up all of our light bulbs that we have, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, uh, I, but I haven't heard anything. If uh, we're gonna, if the park is planning on replacing, mm -hmm. uh, going from incandescent to LED. What is the characteristic of this light? Two and a half seconds on, two and a half seconds off. Yeah. Two and a half seconds on, yeah. and then twenty-two and a half seconds wow. off. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm a impressed. Mouthful. That's a little complicated to remember. <laughs> yeah. But it's a white light, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I know at Currituck, they put one of those LEDs inside the lens and it was too white. People complained that it was too white. Mm -hmm. So they had to replace it with a, a, they now have a new experimental LED they're using. Mm -hmm. It's a little softer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know. Ours is, is kind of still that white light, but it does have a slight amber coloration to it at in well, the evening. Yeah, the older bulbs that you're talking about mm -hmm. have uh, more of a warm glow than That's the true. LEDs yes. do. Yeah, yes. so hopefully you can keep that at least for, for a while. I hope so. But I think they are perfecting the LEDs more. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding that most of the light station property here was transferred to the National Park Service in 1953, mm -hmm. if I have that right. Uh, and then, except for the lighthouse itself, and then the tower itself was transferred to the National Park Service in 2000. Uh, and I think the lighthouse for a while there was in pretty rough shape. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, it was in um, some rough shape and, and it had to go a big restoration project uh, from 2009 to 2012. There was mm -hmm. enough funding that um, the National Park Service was able to to get to help restore it. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of work done. Um, lots of rusted parts, pieces were falling um, around the lighthouse, which was not a very safe thing. So right. when they dig the big restoration project, they actually built the white picket fence that mm -hmm. you see today, just to create a safety buffer zone in case something does happen. But hopefully it's in good shape for for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Now, wasn't there some work done for a lot more recently as well? It was it was from 2009 to 2000, not that I'm aware of. Nothing it's more recent nothing than that? Nothing more recent. It looks pristine. Yeah. It looks it, like it was just painted. It does. We get a lot of comments like that from visitors, but no, it's uh, just basically it's about a half mile distance away from the ocean. So that might help with the 
uh, less wear and tear. Amount of salt on the air, paint. And that yeah, kind of the thing. salt air exactly. Yeah, but but. it looks. As we drove up, I said to my wife, "Look how how beautiful it looks. It just <laughs> looks like it was just painted." But yeah. I wasn't quite sure when it last was. Yep. So I'm here on Sunday of Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day weekend. Uh, and I understand tomorrow is the closing day for the climbing season here. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, tomorrow, October 9th, will be our last day for climbing. We opened our season uh, end of April. And mm-hmm. so we've been doing it uh, since Memorial Day. It was every single day before that from April to Memorial Day for about a month. We were doing it only a couple days out of the week, just based on staffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're... We're getting to the end of the, the climbing season, and but we're having some finishing it up with some beautiful weather. Yeah. I'm just curious, do you have, I know you have national park staff, obviously, you and, and others here, but are there volunteers who, who take part here as well? Or? Yes. We have some really amazing volunteers that come here. We have uh, these three wonderful ladies that uh, are from Maryland, and mm-hmm. they have been volunteering here for 20, maybe even 30 years, helping out with wow. different lighthouses. They've help volunteer at the Hatteras Lighthouse and further down at Ocracoke Lighthouse. And they're actually here this weekend, finishing up our last climbing weekend with us. And they are a wealth of knowledge. So we're so Mm -hmm. happy to have them here to help us out. Yeah, that's great. Is it a particular organization? Is there an organization name that works with the Park Service here? Or? Uh, no, it's uh, anyone that wants to you know, help volunteer with mm-hmm. the uh, National Park Service. Uh, they usually go on to volunteer.gov mm-hmm. um, or they might have you know, a rapport with the ranger that hired mm-hmm. them that they've been able to work with. But uh, not a se- separate organization. It's volunteer.gov. So they work in partnership with the National Park Service okay. itself. Good. That's that's good to know. Let me ask you, speaking of the lighthouse uh, season, climbing season being almost over, uh, it was super windy yesterday. I was in uh, climbing the Assateague Lighthouse in Virginia. It was so windy. And you mentioned it was windy here, too. Is wind one of the things that might occasionally cause the lighthouse to be closed? Yes. So if we do have some high winds or some storms that are rolling in off the off the coast or upcoming storms, we can feel the effects, even though they could be miles away. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sometimes will have to close the balcony uh, Mm -hmm. if the winds are a steady wind of 35 miles per hour and gusts over 40. Okay. Uh, So yesterday we were not quite at that threshold, but. Uh, we still allow people to be able to go and climb and look out our balcony door, but if those wind speeds do reach that point, mm-hmm. uh, it's just unsafe because you can really start feeling the wind blowing you around oh. 20 miles per hour, yeah. Even, yeah. even being up that high. So that's yeah. one of the reasons we'll, we won't close the lighthouse, but you might be a little bit more limited with your viewing abilities. Sure. But it's still an experience to get to go up. Yeah. I don't know what that wind speed was yesterday at Assateague, but <laughs> wow, that's like the windiest I've ever experienced at the top of the lighthouse. Uh, and you do have to close in the rain occasionally? So if it's raining, uh, we don't have to close. We'll just give a quick safety message mm-hmm. about uh, this metal steps that could that's be a slippery. little slippery. So just making sure everyone is cautious as they're climbing up to the top. Uh, but the other time that we might have to close the lighthouse is if uh, we're here in the Outer Bank, so there's heat and humidity, especially in the summer. So if our heat index reaches uh, temperatures, uh, it's over 105 degrees inside the lighthouse, and we have a temperature and humidity gauge that we check every hour. 
Mm -hmm. uh, if it that would have to close the lighthouse just because it's very uncomfortable inside when it's that stagnant and mm -hmm. that humid. And then thunderstorms is another big thing. Yeah. So we have lots of lightning rods around the lighthouse, but you don't want to be in a big structure like that, especially the big metal staircase that goes all the way through. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, we will evacuate the building if there's any thunderstorm or if there's lightning within mm -hmm. a 10 mile radius of our location. Yeah. Have you had, do you know if there's ever been an incident of the light, lighthouse being struck by lightning? Here? I don't know the, the year, but we do actually have a photograph uh, downstairs in our visitor center that some lucky person caught it just right of lightning striking the lighthouse. Yes. <laughs> in fairly recent years we're talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's a colored photo, so yeah. that... Not like in the yeah. 1800s. Yeah, I don't think in the 1800s, but I'm sure that's it's a possibility. It's the tallest thing out here. On yeah, island. well, it's not that unusual for that to happen. Another thing that used to happen a lot with these lighthouses, and maybe you know something about this, is that birds often used to fly into them. Yes, yeah. So uh, when the lighthouse keepers were taking care of the, the light, uh, they would have big uh, wire mesh actually around mm -hmm. where the Fresnel lens would be. So they needed to help protect it, but they would on occasion get geese, um, Canada geese that would fly mm -hmm. in. And uh, some stories I've read is, you know, sometimes the lighthouse keepers and their families would maybe have goose for yeah. dinner that night if there was a if there was a bird that did fly in. So, yeah, yeah. it's birds could definitely be an issue, but so far we're okay yeah. in the most recent years that I've encountered. That's good. Yeah. That's good <laughs> that to hear. Bet. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one final question for you and this one is for bonus points. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so get ready. And that question is, uh, what have you enjoyed? What do you enjoy most about the work you do here at the Body Island Lighthouse? So one of my favorite things is being up on the top of the lighthouse is very special. I like to say, you know, you have the best view on the island. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see quite a few miles out and everyone is so happy to be out that way. And just to share the history of the lighthouse, I never thought that I would be so passionate about lighthouses. So now it's like, ooh, I wanna get to all the lighthouses <laughs> I can. I'm a, I'm a big lighthouse lover or lighthouse chaser. I don't know what the you know, the term is uh, lighthouse nut. I can <laughs> say that nut. because okay. I, I am one. So okay. I can say it. that's yeah. the term then. All right. A yeah. lighthouse nut. Yeah. They're just mm -hmm. very beautiful. And I had a gentleman earlier this season. We weren't doing climbing that day, but he walked into the base and he's an older gentleman and he's in there for a few minutes, for 10, 15 minutes. And he, he walked out and I could see he was just a very peaceful face. And he's like, the, your lighthouse is enchanting, and that's always going to stay with me. Oh, that is that's that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very heartwarming. It is, it is. Well, Carolyn Wellman, it's it's so great to be here. It's nice to meet you. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you hosting me, uh, letting me uh, do this interview in the uh, old uh, keeper's house here. It's a, yes. a real thrill. And I look forward to climbing. I kind of look forward to climbing the tower. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I can. I know I can. So, Carolyn, uh, thank you so much for doing this. You are so very welcome. Yes, it's been a pleasure. To learn more about tours at Body Island, go to the National Park Service website at nps.gov and do search for Body Island Light Station. Body is spelled B-O-D-I-E.
Yeah, and again, that's nps.gov for the uh, National Park Service, and you can kind of find your way to Body Island on there. It's a great lighthouse to visit. I really enjoyed visiting there. It's a lot of stairs. I actually climbed uh, Currituck and Body Island and Assateague Lighthouse in Virginia all like in two days, and uh, my legs are a little tired, <laughs> but they're all they're all great. You mentioned earlier you visited the Outer Banks when Guinevere was six months old. Do you think you might go back there again for a lighthouse trip? Yeah, actually, I'm trying to decide if we're going to try to hit Michigan this summer or go back to the Outer Banks. We're going to do mm -hmm. one together. Yeah. Well, they're both great lighthouse destinations for sure. I was in the Upper Peninsula last year, and there's there's a lot of great, great stuff to see there. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your lighthouse visits. Of the lighthouses you visited, which one is your favorite and why? Um, there's a lot of really good lighthouses that I've seen. I probably have to say my favorite lighthouse is Ponson Lit. It was it was hard to go up it, but it was really fun. What about it do you like especially? Just it, it, it's a beautiful lighthouse. I think it's one of the nicest looking towers. I just like going up it and seeing the really good view, and especially since where it's at, uh, the area around it shows you a good view. It's not just how high the lighthouse is; it's the area around it that gives you a good view. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's got over 200 steps. It's one of the tallest ones. Yeah. yeah. And I like the way the buildings are laid out around it and it's nice grass and like trails leading to the different buildings. It's just, it's just a really, really <laughs> neat place to visit. How about you, mom, Heather, do you have a, a favorite lighthouse that you visited? I don't want to say it's Portland head, but it, it you is, can say it. <laughs> it is for, it's everybody's favorite, but I think it would have to be Portland head or St. Augustine. St. Mm -hmm. Augustine is so pretty and it, the view from the top is beautiful. St. Augustine, like the town is beautiful. It's, that's probably one of my favorites for sure. Well, those are both great choices. I don't know if you want to mention uh, people can't see it since they're listening to the podcast, but you have actually have Portland headlight uh, yeah. somewhere on, on you there. You, uh, she's, yeah, you're showing it arm. to me that on your arm, you have a tattoo of Portland headlight. Now that's a, a real lighthouse lover. <laughs> yes, that's a, it was one of the first ones um, my mom and I went to see together mm -hmm. as like an adult when I you could really appreciate it. You know, I started really appreciating them. It was one of the first ones we saw together. So there's no no place prettier than Portland Head. Like, no, definitely not. No. So beautiful. So Guinevere, how about some of the other ones you've really enjoyed? Do you have a couple of other favorites? Yes, I uh, really liked Tybee. Old Point Comfort and St. Augustine. Okay. Tybee's a great one too. It's another really tall one. Is that what you like best about that? The view? We climbed it all together. Like the whole family, uh -huh. like with the babies and the young, the little siblings. I think that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Tybee is a really beautiful lighthouse, in my opinion. It's a mm -hmm. really cool lighthouse. And it's definitely a big lighthouse and it's it can, it's one of the harder ones to go up on but it's it, it's worth it yeah i agree and uh sarah jones is the director there has been on the podcast a couple of times we listened to that podcast about tybee where you interviewed her on the way to tybee that was the one we listened to with the kids so that was kind of cool Cool. Then I, when I was there a couple of years ago, I got to visit Tybee and uh, meet Sarah and William Rawlings who wrote a book on Georgia lighthouses. He met me there too. So that's that was what, a lot. And we saw, we saw Coxburgh. Yeah. 
and we listen to it and talking about little cocks, for, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. really, I really like it. It's really pretty. That's probably yeah. one of my favorites too. It's little, but it's a, it's a favorite. Yeah. 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 When I was there, I got a boat ride out with the park ranger and, uh, there was being restored at the time. There was scaffolding around the lighthouse and I got to climb the scaffolding up the side of the lighthouse. It was a little scary, but fun. <laughs> yeah, we drove uh, as close to it as we could and we took pictures and we saw it from land. So yeah. Yeah. And the fort there is really interesting too. We didn't get to go to the fort. They had the road closed to the, oh. when we were there. So last time I've been to the fort a few times, she's been when she was younger, but this yeah. last when we went it was mm-hmm. fort pulaski you can see the all the cannonball marks in the wall right from the, the civil war there's a lot of history there oh definitely so you mentioned before you plan to come to new england next year and you were talking about maybe coming around main open lighthouse day is that right that's what we're gonna do that's our plan we're gonna probably drive up the coast a little ways definitely stop in new hampshire and then spend most of our time just driving up the coast of Maine and trying to check off as many lighthouses as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You know, I love visiting other parts of the country, but my heart is in New England. I've been here pretty much all my life, except I was born in Kentucky, uh, mm-hmm. which might surprise people. But where you live is my my uh, state of my birth. But I don't remember anything because we left there when I was three years old. Ah, but, Yeah, I think yeah. you're you're. Oh, your birthplace was like two hours from where we live. Yeah. Port Knox. Yeah. 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 And we lived in Virginia for, for a year when I was small oh. too, but oh. I'm a new Englander. You know, mm-hmm. a, Maine is the most beautiful place. I love Maine. Yeah. Maine is my favorite state. Even don't, don't tell New Hampshire or Massachusetts. <laughs> I won't, don't tell Kentucky because it's my favorite too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I have one final question. This is for both of you. Of course, it's for bonus points. You're used to hearing that on the podcast since you listen so much. Uh, And the question is, and either one of you can take this first. It's up to you. But the question is, what do you enjoy most about visiting lighthouses? So what I enjoy most about visiting lighthouses is seeing views. Like I've said before, is uh, seeing the great views and some are built really close to the oceans. Mine is seeing the oceans really close to mm-hmm. them. Like this one time I was on top of a lighthouse after I climbed it and I was sitting there and I was recording and uh, I saw very barely because I was super high, saw a dolphin like jump out of the water and jump back in. So I thought that, that was really cool. And it's even better if you climb a lighthouse with a friend. That way you can like do it together with them and they mm-hmm. can experience it too with, with you. Yeah. Oh, that is a big part of it. The people you visit, you do this with, but wildlife's a big part of it too. I always love seeing the different, whether it's dolphins or different kinds of birds you see at them and so forth. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So how about you, Heather? What do you enjoy most about visiting lighthouses? For me, it used to be, just seeing all the different types of lighthouses in the different places and learning the history. But now I really love going with my kids. Like when we, we, my littlest, we just took them their first trip was to Tybee. And when we turned and, you know, you see it out of your car and my two-year-old saying lighthouse and they're so excited. And they, that's my favorite part about seeing light visiting lighthouses is sharing it with my kids. Oh, that's great. So I, I actually do have one more question for you, Guinevere. 
How did you like co-hosting this podcast for the first time? Um, I was nervous, but I don't know why I was nervous. It was actually really fun, and I really liked it. It was really fun. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad it wasn't too, too painful. You know, as I, I told you before we started, I always get a little nervous doing anything like this. You know, I think it's, I think it's actually a good sign that you care about what you're doing. You get a little bit nervous. So. Uh, finally talking, being able to talk about lighthouses with someone, mm-hmm. because no one at my school is really like, ooh, lighthouses as much as we are. So uh, getting to talk about it to someone is really great. Uh huh. It's like we speak the same language. We speak lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know not everybody gets it, but a lot of people really, really love lighthouses. So thank you so much for doing this today, Guinevere and Heather. We'll have to do it again. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, both of you. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you so much. In next week's episode, we'll return to the Outer Banks for a conversation about Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. Before we sign off, do you have a quote for us, Guinevere? Yes, I do. The biologist Rachel Carson once wrote, The more clearly we focus our attention on the wonders and realities of the universe about us, the less taste we shall have for destruction. I think that's a great quote. So on that note, uh, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Shine, let it shine.